1: Here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And Phil, it's been a while since I've asked you this, but how the heck are you? I'm uh, doing mighty fine,
0: Mike. It's uh, So far, things are going very, very well in all aspects of uh,
1: life, the universe, and everything, so I cannot complain. I am glad to hear that. And how about you? Uh, You know, gotta say, also, things are going pretty well. Hard to to complain on my end as well, so I guess we're just a couple of happy, no-complaining guys tonight. Yeah, it's a couple of happy chaps. It's uh, very yeah. nice to hear. Which I hope makes for a better podcast, because I don't think people would really want to listen to us just complain for like an hour. That that seems like a different kind of podcast than what we do.
0: Yeah, I'm sure there's podcasts out there where people Th- I'm sure there are. Complain. There must be.
1: And I'm sure some of them are very popular, but that's not our thing. So. No, that's
0: true. But, but dear listener, I hope that you are feeling fine and all's good in your life. But even if it's not, I hope we can bring a little bit of cheer to you and uh, for what we've got planned for this
1: episode. That's right. Uh, you know, just a thought though. If we did decide to do a, like an all-complaining podcast, we could yeah. just call it Ridley Scott versus Christopher Nolan, <laughs> and then that would just be the two of us complaining about. Their oh plans. my god, yeah, that'd be brilliant. <laughs> I just mean, be- you'd you'd complain more about Nolan than I would, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, going. Oh my god, why they're so cold? Why? <laughs> right. Kingdom of Heaven. What the hell was the point? Yeah. Why didn't they just release the director's cut? Why did not they <laughs> all that crap? Arr! Well, maybe that'll be one of our uh, one of our special episodes someday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Why Why we hate these people. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, exactly. No, 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 we won't do that. We try and yeah, keep it positive. We don't hate people. We don't entire. hate anyone.
0: That's right. We just dislike this body of work of some of them.
1: That's right. That's. But that's different. I don't have anything personal against either yeah, yeah, of those, yeah. you know, anybody like that. And they have made good stuff. Right, right, exactly. They both have made films that we both like. So, yeah. you know, that's. The, we're, we're going to keep it on the positive tip, as they yes, say. Yes, yes, yes. All right, so Phil, why don't you go ahead and tell people what we're going to be talking about today?
0: Well, I've been practicing my roundhouse kicks and growing my hair out to get a mullet. Nice. So that means we're going to be talking about Roadhouse. Excellent. For one of our After the Endings. And the other one is The Quick and the Dead from 1995. For those of you not sure which one that is, that's the one that stars Sharon Stone, and it's a Wild West thing directed by Sam Raimi. Um, Mike, do you want to tell them about uh, our top five for this week?
1: Yes, our top five is going to be our top five favorite performances by Emily Blunt who is uh, fantastic. And I think if we did a, po- we could do a podcast called Emily Blunt versus Emily Blunt. And all we would do is talk about how much we both adore her. I think would be pretty accurate. Yes. She's a fantastic actress. Uh, seems to be a very funny person as well. Yes. And yes. yeah, She's most lovely. Yes, she is indeed. So that's going to be our top five. We'll get to that in a little bit. But first, why don't we jump into our endings? Phil, I'm thinking maybe we should start with The Quick and the Dead tonight. How does that sound to you?
0: That works for me. Mike, do you want to give us a rundown on what happens in the film?
1: I will do that. So The Quick and the Dead, 1995, directed by Sam Raimi, as you mentioned, starring Sharon Stone, Leonardo DiCaprio, Gene Hackman, and Russell Crowe, which makes that a pretty darn good cast when you think about it. It's a damn fine fine cast in this one. Also got, like, Lance Henriksen and
0: other people on... And uh, supporting roles, which is great. Yeah,
1: a lot of good, a lot of good, like small roles by really good people. You know, supporting yeah. roles, and you're like, hey, I know that guy. Definitely. All right. So the story goes: in 1881, Ellen, played by Sharon Stone, rides into the town of Redemption, which is ruled by John Herod, played by Gene Hackman. She enters a quick-draw pistol competition. The rules are, any contestant may challenge any other, no challenge can be refused, and every contestant must fight once per day, and a fight continues until one contestant either yields or dies. She meets the kid, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, a young contestant who thinks Herod is his father and wants to gain his attention. She also meets Court, played by Russell Crowe, who is a former Herod henchman turned preacher, But Herod has captured him and forced him to enter the contest. I'm trying to make this quick, but there's a lot going on here, so bear with me. Yeah, yeah. After the contest starts, Herod changes the rules and states that all the contests are now to the death. There's a whole bunch of duels, and we learn that when she was just a girl, Herod took over the town and strung up Ellen's father, who was the deputy. He gave her three shots to try and shoot the rope, but she accidentally killed her father instead, which, as you can imagine, probably had some small psychological effect on her. Yeah, maybe just a little. Right, so she's in town to get revenge. Uh, Herod and the kid duel, and Herod kills him, and Court and Ellen duel, but Ellen fakes her death. So then it comes down to Court and Herod, and they duel, but before they can kill each other, Ellen blows up a bunch of buildings and kills Herod, taking him by surprise. As the film ends, she throws her father's badge at Court's feet and says, The laws come back to town, and then rides off. And that is The Quick and the Dead. That's an excellent uh, round-up of what happened in the film. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, Phil, how do you feel about The Quick and the Dead?
0: Uh, well, I remember, I think I've only seen it the once, but I remember enjoying it at the time. Uh, as as we've already said, it had a great cast. It had Sam Raimi doing, uh, directed it, so it had his usual, well, it had his, his visual flair and style to it, which was good. Uh, some great gunfights. It's, but I always feel it's one of those films which has sort of being forgotten, sort of looked down on maybe a little bit.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's accurate. Yeah. What about you? What do you think of the film? Um, you know, I, I like it perfectly fine for what it is. It's not yeah. a favorite of mine. You know, I think we've talked before about how I I mostly really just love the one Sam Raimi film, which is Army of Darkness, and then everything else he's done, I pretty much just kind of like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is one of those where it's 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 a fun western that has a different flavor because of Sam Raimi, but it has that Sam Raimi-ness to it that. Can keeps me from really loving it but yeah it's it's fun but the same thing i don't think i've seen it since the 90s maybe i, I think i've caught some bits and pieces on tv here and there but i do feel like it is largely forgotten uh which is one of those films that sort of you know hasn't really stuck in the public consciousness yeah definitely
0: yeah i think uh i would like to i need to track it down and watch it again
1: yeah i, I kind of felt yeah. the same way though i was like oh maybe it'll be you know one of those ones that's fun to revisit yeah yeah well cool so why don't you kick us off then phil and give us your day after
0: okay then and, uh, ellen travels onwards She stops at various small towns and settlements, and she makes her way through the west. She'd killed Herod and her revenge was complete, but she just felt empty and sad. There was no joy in what she had done. It was just the right thing to do. She kept heading north until she ended up in a small town called Elk Grove. It seemed just like all the other towns she'd visited. So she put a horse in the stable and made her way to the saloon. She got a room, had a bath, and then sat in the main bar area with some food and a beer. As she was eating, a man with black hair and a big smile approached her. Well, hello there, sweet cheeks, said the man sitting opposite her. Aren't you a sight for sore eyes in this one-horse piece-of-crap town? Ellen said nothing and fought the urge to punch the man. <laughs> come on, baby, let me buy you a drink. He continued and motioned to the barman. While he was doing that, Ellen noticed that the man was missing his right hand. Hmm. The beer arrived and the man took a big swig of it. Ah, that hit the spot. So come on, tell me, what's a fine woman such as you doing in a place like this? Ellen said nothing. Okay, the strong silent type, said the man. I like that. The name's Ash Williams, and you are,
1: <laughs> and that's my day after. Uh, I like it. I like it, Phil. I was, I was taking me, I was sort of just starting to put it together when you, when you said that. I was like, oh, I see where you're going. <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> that's you. awesome. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Very fun.
0: Okay. Glad you like it. Uh, what's going on then with your day after?
1: All right. Well, Court looks at the badge at his feet, then looks around at the townspeople. They're all staring at him expectantly. Slowly, he reaches down and picks it up, then pins it to his chest. Without a word, he walks down the street to the sheriff's office, opens the door, and enters. Several months later, the town of Redemption is a revitalized town. Court is a natural peacekeeper, and with Herod gone, his men scatter, and the town returns to the way it was before Ellen's father was killed. It prospers with new businesses opening up, and people aren't afraid to walk the streets anymore. Court takes on a deputy named Lafferty, and life becomes routine. Then one night, while Court is sitting in his office, the door is thrown violently open, and Ellen stumbles in. She's bleeding and half conscious. They're coming, she says. They're coming. And then she collapses unconscious. And that's where we're going to leave it for now. Oh, I like that. Thank you. Who is it? Mm. You will, it will be revealed. I can promise you that. That's good. Meanwhile, let's hear about your, uh, your evil dead, quick in the dead. <laughs> I mean, it's right there in the title, the quick yeah. and the evil dead. Like, it's, I mean, you know, it's a natural.
0: Yeah. I like to think that maybe, the, you know, some way planned to do it, the quick and the evil dead but anyway, yeah, yeah yeah absolutely okay then so uh my immediate aftermath it, it had been a long couple of days shortly after meeting ash who ellen had strangely hit it off with despite the fact he was an ignorant perfume. <laughs> the town had been attacked by a gang of well ellen wasn't sure what they were but ash called them deadites ash seemed to know an awful lot about these creatures he had saved ellen uh on a number of occasions and she had done the same with him ellen was fascinated by the mechanical saw that ash used in place of his hand but now the duo was sat on their horses looking down at an abandoned fort I should should said it was where the Deadite gang was keeping a book. Ellen wasn't quite sure how, but the book apparently
1: would somehow stop the Deadites. And that's my immediate aftermath. I like it. I like it. Thank you. You know, I got to say, it, it, it's, it didn't even occur to me to cross over the quick and the dead and the evil dead. And now it makes me feel a little foolish that I didn't even about <laughs> <of> it. <laughs>
0: that's why we compliment each other so well. One of us always does one thing and the other one does another. That's and right. And it's all good. That's right.
1: All right. Well, I like it, so that's, that's fun. I, like to see, I can't wait to see how it all ends up.
0: Okay, what's going on then with your, your media's aftermath? Who's coming
1: to town? All right, well, with the help of the town doctor, Ellen gets some rest and some medicine and is nursed back to consciousness. She's got two bullet wounds, but luckily, neither of them are life-threatening as the bullets seem to have passed right through her. When she's able to talk, Court asks her who's coming. The Black Riders, Ellen responds. But they're just a legend, Court says, a bedtime story to frighten children with. Not anymore, Alan replies. I've seen them with my own eyes. Hell, where do you think I got these two holes in my arm? I tried shooting them, but my bullets just pass right through. How much time do you think we have, Court asks. Just then, noises erupt from outside. They can hear horses galloping, gunshots, and people screaming in fear. Then a huge explosion erupts down the street. Not long, Alan says grimly. Ooh. And that's that's where we're going to leave it for now. Ooh, okay. But see, here's the thing. I didn't think to cross them over, but clearly I could have because this yeah, you know, yeah. it would have all, it all would have matched up with what I'm already doing. Yeah. So. Excellent, okay. though. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's see how, uh, how the Ellen Ash crossover ends. Give us your long term. All right, then. Everything had gone to
0: hell. <laughs> Ash and Ellen were stood back to back in the center of the fort. Deadites were swarming all around them, and they were running out of ammunition. Ash said something crude that made Ellen laugh. She quickly turned and kissed him. Groovy, said Ash. Well, if you've got to go then, it's nice going with you, baby. (laughs) They reloaded their guns and prepared to take out as many deadites as they could before they were taken down. Then, a bright light shone near them, and suddenly they were joined by two men. One was old and more grizzled, with a wry grin on his face and a lustrous mane of grey hair. The younger had a most handsome face and a mighty mullet. The slight (laughs) smirk on his face never dropped. Ellen and Ash, both dumbfounded at the sudden turn of events, watched as the two men suddenly moved and attacked the deadites. They moved as one. The younger man using deadly roundhouse kicks to finish off deadites left and right. (laughs) The older warriors throwing deadly punches, knocking deadites through the air. Ellen and Ash quickly joined the fray. The battle was long and hard, but eventually the deadites were destroyed. Catching their breath, Ellen and Ash were about to thank the two strangers, but they had already disappeared. Who who were they, asked Ellen. I have no idea, said Ash. (laughs) But enough about them, how about you give me some sugar, baby? (laughs) Ellen slapped Ash and walked away. Ash went after her.
1: And that's my ending. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. Thank I love you. it. Nice <laughs> crossover. I'll be curious to see what happens in uh, our roadhouse after the ending. See if there's any, any connective tissue there. but Possibly. Yeah, possibly. Right. Uh, very fun. Very fun. I enjoyed that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay,
0: what's going on with yours? And what are the Black Riders doing? And how will they stop them?
1: Okay, well, the town of Redemption is burning oh no. Yes. Court stands in the middle of town with the ghostly black riders slowly making their way towards him from either end of Main Street. Ellen and Lafferty are both down with more gunshot wounds and Court's shotgun is empty. All he has left are his two pistols, the ones he used to duel with. As the riders march down the street, Court fumbles in his vest pocket for more bullets, but he finds something else instead. It's his old priest's collar, the one he used to wear before Herod conscripted him for his dueling challenge. Placing the collar around his neck, he drops the shotgun, pulls out both of his pistols, and then recites the Our Father over both of them. Then he starts blasting. The Black Riders don't know what hit them. They try to fight back, but every time one of the ordained bullets strikes them, they explode in a fury of hellfire and brimstone. In moments, they're gone. Court stands there with smoke wafting up from his dual pistols just as the sun starts to rise over redemption. And that's the end. Oh, that's awesome. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I could, I could... Really see that final, yeah, just psh, the things going. I Thank you. Like, that's what I was going to say. I, like, I, I just had this mental image in, in my head of, you know, Russell Crowe standing there with these two pistols smoking and the sun coming up and just carnage everywhere. And I was like, that's the movie I want to see. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> um, now, I have something I haven't had in, in quite a long time. Oh. I have an after the credits scene. Excellent. So, two years later, Redemption is a happy town once again. Ellen and Court are in the doctor's office, and Ellen is delivering a baby. Oh. After a relatively smooth labor, the doctor hands the newborn to Ellen and says, Congratulations, it's a boy. Do you have a name for him? Yes, Ellen replies. We're naming him after Court's father. Aw, Ellen, you know I hate that name, he says. I know, Ellen replies, but you loved your daddy, and we're going to honor him. Say hello to baby Dalton. Fade <laughs> to black. Awesome. <laughs> so... So, uh, you know, that may, that there may be some connective tissue, but that's, you know, it's, mine is more is, is the, you know, maybe Dalton was descended from two really badass people in the, in the old West, you know, and they get. Yeah, I, I, know, I, I like that. Yeah. Their progeny go on to become a series of ass kickers. Awesome. So there we go. So that is, uh, that's our endings for Quick and the Dead. Phil, it's time to go with the Quick and the Trivia. Do you have anything for us? I'm glad you asked, Mike. I certainly do. Excellent.
0: Uh, all the actors went through training on how to do like the Quick Draw. Uh, But it turned out Gene Hackman was actually the fastest actor on set. Oh, wow. Cool. I, th- I think he had a little bit longer to uh, to train, but he was the one who ended up being the fastest.
1: Well, let's face it, though. He was probably also the most naturally badass of all of them, too. So he yeah, probably hit, yeah. it was more natural for him to draw fast. You're probably, probably right, yeah. Uh,
0: Sam Raimi's original ending didn't quite work, uh, and he wasn't sure how to fix it. So Sony Pictures suggested a, a guy called Joss Whedon to help. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Whedon fixed the ending in one afternoon. I'm not quite sure what Whedon did after that, but, you know, it's yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sharon Stone handpicked Russell Crowe to be in the film. And she also personally paid Leonardo DiCaprio's salary. Uh, She also chose Sam Raimi to direct because she really liked the Army of Darkness. So There you go. Which is cool. Sean Stone's leather jacket was also over 100 years old and was from a Western museum. Wow. But I'm sure they they made copies of it, though, for some of the stunts and things, so it didn't get ruined. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. During 1994, there were 12 other Westerns filming in Hollywood at the time. Uh So there was a shortage of Old West costumes for this film
1: but uh, they may do, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but that's uh, The Quick and the Dead. Very cool. All right, well, let's move on then to maybe one of the most beloved cult classics of all time,
0: Roadhouse. Yes, yes, I think uh, you could be right.
1: Yeah, so Phil, why don't you go ahead and remind people what happens in Roadhouse? Roadhouse, okay. Okay, yes, so
0: it's uh, Roadhouse from 1989, directed by Rowdy Harrington. What a name. Okay, uh, Dalton, played by uh, Patrick Swayze, is a professional cooler, which is basically like a super-duper bouncer. He works in New York City, but a guy called Frank uh, Tillman asks him to take over security at the Double Deuce in Jasper, Missouri, which is, uh, well, at the roadhouse, but it's meant to be real rough and tumble and not very nice. Uh, Dalton learns that a guy called Brad Wesley is running the town, and he wants to extort Tillman's club for as much as he can. Uh, So Dalton goes through the... uh, he starts training up the employees in the uh, in the Double Deuce and he fires some of the ones who he realises are bad people or are in the pockets of Brad Wesley. Uh, but after a particular barroom fight, Dalton gets stabbed but barely notices it because he's Dalton and he's tough. <laughs> he goes to the hospital to get it stitched and meets a woman called Dr Elizabeth Doc Clay, played by Kelly Lynch, and Romance Blossoms. Uh, Wesley wants Dalton to work for him, but Dalton refuses, so Wesley goes after Dalton's friends and the people of uh, Jasper. But uh, to help combat this, Dalton brings in his old mentor, Wade Garrett, played by Sam Elliott, and they fight off the bad guys in pretty cool ways, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wesley but uh, Wesley keeps escalating the thing. He blows up buildings and businesses. One of the times he gets a, a big monster truck to go over some cars. Basically causes chaos around the town because he doesn't give a damn and the police are in his pocket. He also orders the death of Wade, which obviously upsets Dalton. And in tears of rage, Dalton heads to Wesley's place and Dalton almost kills Wesley after killing a load of, well, um, taking out a load of the henchmen and things, but uh, Dalton decides not to do that, not to do the killing blow and releases Wesley. However, Wesley picks up a gun and is about to shoot Dalton, but a few of the townsfolk just turned up with shotguns and shoot the hell out of Wesley before covering it up from the police. It ends with the double deuce pact and Dalton and Doc are elsewhere swimming together, kissing and getting all romantic and that's Roadhouse. (laughs) Roadhouse. (laughs) Roadhouse.
1: <laughs> when you say that, it just makes me want to make like a roadhouse jingle like Roadhouse. You'll come in for a glass. Roadhouse. But Dalton'll kick your ass.
0: Roadhouse. <laughs> roadhouse. No kids allowed.
1: <laughs> and then you'd have to have like a whip sound for like you know every time like Roadhouse. whoops. <laughs> <laughs> we'll punch you in the face. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> oh man. That'd be awesome. We'll do tai chi in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, what do you think of Roadhouse? Uh, I, I really like Roadhouse. It is a cult classic for a reason. Um, although it took me a long time to see it, actually. I did not yeah, see yeah. it uh, when it when it first came out. I don't think I saw it in the 90s. I think I saw it in, like, the, the mid-2000s for some reason. It just wasn't one of those ones I got around to. But, uh, but I really enjoyed it. So I love his, like, just sort of like stupid Zen quotes that are like, like pain don't hurt. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite one. I always go to, yeah, like, yeah. she's like, you must be a lot of pain. He's like, pain don't hurt. I'm like, that's not a thing, no. but okay. The definition of pain is a headache. <laughs> right, exactly. But, uh, but it's fun. I, I love Patrick Swayze. He's great. And I, I, I do like, you know, there's some good action scenes in the film. It is that very classic, you know, '90s, eighty almost an '80s film that came out in the '90s. You know. Oh, yeah. 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 And I like that it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it takes itself seriously enough. And it's, you know, it's just that very. I don't know, it's just got that feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, it's just, it's, it's just,
0: good. Yeah, because I, I watched it again like a few weeks back. Yeah. And yeah, I was watching it with a few people, and we just, just all enjoyed the hell out of it. It's cheesy. Right. It's over the top. It's it was I'd forgotten how violent it was. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. The fights, some of the fights are vicious. Yeah. Uh, some might say there's some homoerotic undertones, <laughs> but they're, they're so yeah. subtle as to barely notice them.
1: <laughs> right,
0: right. Uh, but uh, it's just, no, it's just loads of fun. you got Ben Gazzaro basically just chewing the scenery with every zinnit, and he's just pretty much the same character he plays in The Big Lebowski. Mm. He's the porn guy in The Big Lebowski. And you've got Sam Elliott being cool, Patrick Swayze being cool, and great supporting cast. And yeah, just... Yeah. A whole lot of fun. Yeah, Roadhouse is a lot of fun for
1: sure. Roadhouse.
0: <laughs>
1: I just like saying. That.
0: I know I like it. It, it, it works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well that's ha- what happened in the film. Mike, do you want to tell us what's happening in your day after?
1: Absolutely. Well, Dalton dies, then comes back to haunt Doc while she's making pottery to the strains of Unchained Mel. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't I couldn't resist. Um, No, really. So, okay. Dalton goes back to bouncing at the double deuce, despite Doc's protestations. She wants him to do something less dangerous, but Dalton is perfectly happy at the bar. The relationship has a few rocky moments as Doc wants Dalton to pursue something more intellectual. But when she says, baby, why don't you just try going back to school? He simply replies, nobody puts baby in a college. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't resist. (laughs) (laughs) but the fact is that she's hopelessly in love with him and he with her one day. However, doc receives an offer for a full-time position as a doctor in a hospital in Los Angeles. She's torn because she doesn't want to leave Dalton, but this is also her dream job aware that doc would resent him. If he was the reason she stayed Dalton pushes her to go and she reluctantly does, but she makes him promise to come visit her six months later. Dalton touches down at LAX on Christmas Eve. He can't wait to see doc an hour or so later. He pulls up at the hospital he gets out of the car, squinting in the bright LA sun. He looks up at the imposing building in front of him, Nakatomi Memorial Hospital. The sign <gasps> <laughs> uh, I like how genuine that was. That makes me happy. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's wow. Okay, go uh, Sorry. That's, no, that's fine. That's that's the end. That's where we're gonna leave it for now. Wow. Okay. Oof. <laughs> so okay. So that's my uh, that's my day after. How about your day after, Phil? I mean, I think I have some idea where you might be going with it, just based on what I, I heard <laughs> earlier, but let's, let's see how it gets there. Wow, okay. Wow, just I want to know.
0: Oh, my God, so much potential.
1: <laughs> okay, then. Uh,
0: Dalton and Doc spend the next few days enjoying their time together while the rest of the town tidies up after all the shenanigans that have been going on. And then it was time for Wade's funeral. It was a somber day, but cooler from all over the country. That's what I
1: meant to say before. Do you know any famous, c- bouncers? <laughs> Our
0: famous bouncers? Are famous bouncers a thing?
1: Uh, no, no, I don't. I mean, maybe for people who who frequent like those famous like strip clubs in New York City or, yeah, or whatever, maybe. but I don't, I don't know of any famous bouncers. So because when,
0: when when we were watching it the other week, I was I did ask that question, going, does anybody know it? Because when you're watching yeah. a film, people go, uh, who who's this? It's Dalton. They all go,ing Oh my god, Dalton! Oh right. my god!
1: Right, but here's the here's the question you have to ask yourself is it because we're not hanging out in the right types of bars or well i don't hang out in any bars but you know what i'm saying like like if we were the type of people who might congregate in let's say less than savory uh, you know, bars, would we then maybe through the word and the underground circuit, would we be more familiar with the legendary coolers of the world? Or is it just purely fiction? Oh, I think you're right then. Yeah. I
0: don't know. So it probably shows, it probably shows that we are of good character. The fact we don't know any famous bouncers. Right. Right.
1: And yes, yeah, that's it. It's good character. Not that we're complete wusses. Yeah. I like that. Pattern. Yeah. But, but I'm not, I'm not disparaging
0: any bouncers or coolers out there because right. I think they do an amazing job. Absolutely. And I couldn't do it. That's <laughs> I literally couldn't do yeah. it. Yeah, totally. Okay, where was I? Uh, so da, da 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 da. Okay, yeah. So then it was time for Wade's funeral. It was a somber day, but coolers from all over the country came to pay their respects to the legend that was Wade Garrett. Dalton gave an inspiring speech that included his "be nice" lesson and various other bits of New Age philosophy.
1: Daltonisms.
0: Yeah, Daltonisms. Yeah. Some people might say they don't actually mean anything, but if Dalton's saying it, then it means a lot. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. When he had finished. The crowd saw a single tear roll down his cheek. Later that night, Dalton woke. He wasn't sure what had woken him, but he quietly got out of bed so as not to disturb Doc. Dalton walked outside and saw a figure standing in the shadows. Dalton paused, and the figure seemed to glide towards him. Although he didn't show it, Dalton was shocked when he realised he could see through the figure. It was Wade Garrett. Well, hi, kid. Looks like I'm dead, said the ghostly figure of Wade. Dalton nodded.
1: Sure seems that way. Wade smiled. Yeah anyway <laughs> that might be the most awesome conversation you've ever written on this show because I could just picture it in my head with yeah. Sam Elliott and Patrick Swayze doing that exact dialogue and it that's works it. so perfectly
0: neither of them would be flustered <laughs> right, in the slightest. right that's what I mean it's just it, so perfect yeah, like, earth, yeah.
1: looks like I'm dead yep, yeah. yep. <laughs> anyway
0: awesome. I've been allowed to come back to ask you if you'd like to help me on a new job Dalton paused and smiled what's the job? we're going to clean up
1: hell said Wade nice and that's my day after. Awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Thank you.
0: Okay, then. But that's uh, that was my day after. What's going on, though, with your uh, your immediate aftermath
1: and the Nakatomi? Oh, oh God. <laughs> just, just
0: go. I
1: can't wait to hear this. Go All on. right. Well, Dalton and Doc drive away from the burning hospital. Luckily, all the patients were safely evacuated before the roof blew up, and Dalton is beaten and bloodied, but the way he managed to take out all those terrorists by himself was nothing short of miraculous. Dalton and Doc arrive back at her apartment and make love in slow motion with a fire burning in the background. But it isn't long before his injuries are too much for him and he collapses. No, not Dalton. (laughs) Doc rushes him to the nearest hospital, you know, one that hasn't just been blown up. And uh, (laughs) Dalton is admitted. But an infection sets in and it's touch and go for a while. After about a month or so, he recovers. A few weeks later, Dalton is finally released from the hospital. But on the day that he's released, as there's three major college sporting events going on in the city, they can't get a taxi, so eventually they're forced to take a bus home. As the bus rides along, Dalton's cell phone rings. <laughs> Hello? He answers, wondering who even has the number to his brand new phone already. Is
0: it be? Can I just...
1: <laughs> yeah, go ahead.
0: Is it going to be Pop Quiz? You know it. <laughs> awesome.
1: <laughs> and a voice on the other end says, Pop Quiz, hot shot." Yes! <laughs> and that's the immediate aftermath. Oh, my God. This is the best film ever. <laughs> Very good. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to hear about them cleaning up hell. So, yeah. So, let's hear what's, uh, let's hear what's going on with your immediate aftermath then.
0: Okay. Well, Doc had been worried sick, but Dalton had said he'd only been gone a little while. True to his word, it had been just two weeks and now he was back. He had a lot of new scars, some from strange-looking burns, but apart from that, he was his usual calm, stoic, zen-like self. (laughs) Dalton didn't have a lot to say about the job. All he said was that it had felt a lot longer than two weeks, but it had been a huge success, and in some ways it had been groovy. It did did infuriate Doc that Dalton was such a closed book, but he did have such amazing hair. (laughs) A few more weeks passed, and Dalton began training a new generation of coolers. Then, on another warm night, Dalton was driving home when his car suddenly cut out. A bright light shone from the sky, and Dalton saw a tall, strange-looking creature appear within the light. Dalton got out of the car, and with no emotion on his face whatsoever, stood and waited. (laughs) The alien approached, and after working a device on one of its arms, it spoke. Dalton of Earth, we require your aid in calming a dangerous uprising in the Klaatu sector. Dalton paused and smiled.
1: Okay, let's go, he said. (laughs) And that's my immediate aftermath. (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. So I like, by the way, I like the fact that it only took, you know, Dalton and Wade two weeks to clean up hell. I mean, I know it felt longer, but I just think that's funny that, like, you know, that's about all they need. You know.
0: Yeah, actually, probably only did it like a week. Right. Yeah.
1: And then they probably had a few,
0: few beers. Right. Things like that. It's awesome. Probably went fishing. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I could just, yeah, I could, I could really see Sam Elliott. Or Patrick Swayze, just, you know, these, these big fights with demons and stuff, but all they're using is, like, kicking and punching and just, yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I love about it. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but that's, uh, that was my uh, immediate aftermath, but what's going on with
1: your long term? Where what, what's, what's Dalton up to next? <laughs> all right, well, Dalton is in the hospital once again. The whole bomb on the bus incident had ended well, but he had sustained some minor injuries while saving the day. It takes a few days, but finally he recuperates. I need a vacation, he tells Doc. How about a nice warm beach somewhere, she says. Ooh, ooh, or how about a cruise? (laughs) Dalton just looks at her and says, I don't know if I'm ready for something that relaxed. I was thinking maybe something a little more outdoorsy. You know, woodsy. Get back to nature a bit. I've had it with hospitals and buses and traffic and skyscrapers. Before long, the pair find themselves in the Colorado Rockies. They've just set up their tent for the night when they see a plane flying low and trailing smoke before crashing into the side of the mountain. Dalton squints his eyes at the plane and says, did you see money coming out of the side of that plane? <laughs> and that's, that's where it's going to end. So I guess you could say we leave it on a little cliffhanger. Yeah, oh! you could say exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Thank you. Thank you. I just like the idea of putting Patrick Swayze and, you know, putting Dalton specifically into all these other action movies. I don't know. It just it appealed to me. It uh, works well. Thank you. Although I realize now that I was way too wordy with my Dalton dialogue after hearing your Dalton dialogue. But I'm going <laughs> to let it slide. I'm going to keep it and, you know, I'm going to let it slide for now.
0: It's just because he's so happy with Doc.
1: Yeah. Yes, I think yeah, that's so. all. He's, he's a little talkative because, you know, he's yeah. out in L.A. with Doc, so. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, let's hear then how yours all wraps up with uh, Dalton in space. Maybe I don't know, but let's uh, let's see what you got. Give us your long term. Okay. Dalton returned
0: a few days later. He had a couple of odd tattoos on him, and it looked like his left hand was a lot paler than the rest of his arm, almost like it was a newer part of his body or had been grown in a vat. <laughs> he didn't talk about where he'd been, but he said the job had gone well. <laughs> Life settled back to normal. People travelled just so Dalton could train them, and Dalton and Doc grew closer. They ended up getting married and had a child, which they called Wade. Nice. A few months after the birth of Wade, there was a knock on the door. Doc answered it, and a few months later, Dalton heard a call out. Dalton, it's the president of the United States of America. <laughs> no, he says he's got a job for you. Dalton walked to the door, grabbed his coat, and said, okay. <laughs> and uh, that's my long term. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: <laughs> uh, so we both basically had Dalton continuing his adventures. It seems fitting, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just, I just picture that Dalton would just go, okay. I yeah. would ask questions. Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Out. Yeah. I, I think that is, I think you nailed the character perfectly. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right. So that is Roadhouse Phil. It's time to visit Trivia House. What do you got for us? <laughs> Trivia House.
0: Okay. Uh, so due to a knee injury that was sustained during filming, Swayze had to turn down the roles of Gabriel Cash in Tango on Cash and Mike Harrigan in Predator 2. Hmm. Uh, Harrigan was the role that Danny Gulven was playing. Uh, there was that would have also... been
1: cool. i got to be honest. Yeah. Patrick Swayze and Predator 2 would have been pretty awesome. I, I, yeah, I think that was a missed opportunity there. Totally.
0: There was an off-Broadway production of the film, which was produced in 2003, and it had this really long title, okay? <laughs> it's called Roadhouse... The stage version of the cinema classic that starred Patrick Swayze, except this one stars Timac from the 80s cult classic The Last Dragon, 1985, wearing a blonde mullet wig. (laughs) I wish I could have seen that. uh, I wanted to see that and get a photo of outside with that title, you know, on the thing. That would have been amazing.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: (laughs) But uh, the original cut of the movie was three hours and 20 minutes long. Wow. Which apparently had lots more character stuff of Wade and the various people who worked in the bar. The woman who helped him out and things like that. Uh, Patrick Swayze had to have bodyguards during filming because of all the female fans who were mobbing him. <laughs> Some of the scenes they had to stop because there, was, there were like women in boats coming down like the the water outside where he, he the character was living, and they got in the shot and all this kind of stuff. It caused a bit of chaos, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, Patrick Swayze and Marshall Arteag did one fight scene seventy-one times, and it took five days to film. Wow. And both Sam Elliott and Ben Gazzaro were in The Big Lebowski. Yeah. Which really? is a great film. That's the one you had to end with? Which is one of the best films of all time, oh. and Mike doesn't like it. Ha, 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 ha. And that's, uh, that's Roadhouse.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, nicely done, sir. Thank you for that trivia. You're welcome. <laughs> Roadhouse. All right, well, that's going to wrap up our endings for Roadhouse and The Quick and the Dead. And now it's time to move on to our 100 Stars of Hollywood in 100 episodes where we take one of our favorite actors or actresses and we share our top five performances by said actor or actress. And this week we are talking about Emily Blunt, who is fantastic. She is, she is. So, Phil, I already know the answer to this question, but how do you how do you feel about Emily Blunt? Are you a fan?
0: Yeah, I'm a big fan. I like, uh, like pretty much everything I've seen her in. Well, I've seen... I've not enjoyed every film she's been in, but she's always a solid, solid actor. And she's done a wide ra- I like the fact she's done a wide range of different different roles, different kinds of films. Uh, and yeah, she's she's a very talented actor. And yeah, she's from England. So that makes it even, you know, better. Right. Obviously. Because everything <laughs> from England's better. Right, yeah, of course. And that's a that's a compliment to you because you know, you know, because America
1: America's from England originally.
0: Yeah, it's our gift to you. Oh, thanks. We just we just stepped back when you were, you know. There was, no, there was no fighting over it. We just stepped back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's move on from that. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: hey, what, but uh, what do you think of Emily Blunt? I mean, I think she's terrific. I think she's just an amazing actress. Uh, You know, it's... I, I don't want to call her part of, like, the new generation of Hollywood. She's been around, you know, for she's been famous for like 13 years now. So it's not like she's a new actress, but you know, compared to some of the people we did in our first few episodes, like Tom Cruise and Meryl Streep and Denzel Washington who have been famous for, you know, 30 years. She's a little bit kind of on the, the newer side. Um, but I think she's really carved out a big chunk of Hollywood. And I think everyone recognizes what a fantastic actress she is. And, uh, she's married to John Krasinski, which I think is awesome because they seem like a really cool couple. Uh, and she's beautiful and she's talented and she seems very smart and very funny. And I, as far as I'm concerned, there's just nothing not to like about her. And any film that she's been in that I haven't liked, it's never been because of her. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the, the film itself maybe has some flaws, but she's always flawless, in my opinion. So, yeah,
0: so I'm a fan. Yeah, quite agree. She looks like, uh, I always get the impression to be, like, a fun person to hang out with as well.
1: Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah. All right, well, Phil, do you want to kick us off and give us your number five? Okay, my number five is uh, The
0: Devil Wears Prada. Uh, Emily Blunt, she plays a character called Emily Charlton. She's the one who's one of the assistants in the, uh, in the offices there. But I, I just liked, I, I quite enjoyed the film anyway, and uh, Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep both... Both brilliant and in, in thing, but I always uh I just liked Emily Blunt's character. She's not in it, she, she's in it quite a bit, but not as much as the other two. But uh, I like every time she's on there, she steals every scene. She's very sarcastic. She's got like a little quip always there. You can't help but uh, watch her because just the way she just the way she looks and moves and just just yeah, she's just sarcastic, always undercutting the scene in great ways. And it's just yeah, she just it does great things with the role, which I think if somebody else maybe could have gone another way with it and it could have just been a bit forgettable or may possibly a bit irritating, but uh, Emily Blunt does great things with it. And I think it got, she got a first golden globe nomination as well for the role. So
1: yeah, that's uh, the devil wears Prada. Very good choice. I'm going to go ahead and say that since she is newer, with a, you know yeah. less of a filmography than some of the stars we did in the earlier episodes, that there might be a little overlap on our lists this week. Oh, there probably will be, yeah, yeah, uh, more than usual maybe. But because uh, my number five is also The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> everything you said is exactly right. I I like the fact that you know I don't I don't think this was her debut role ever acting, but it was her first major film role. And um, like you said, she not only does she steal the scene. I just I love the fact that somebody can take a a, a supporting role like that and make it stand out so much. You know, and just do so much with what could have been. A one note character and honestly even if it was a one note character it wouldn't have impacted the film that much because the the main thrust of the film is anne hathaway and meryl streep and they would have still made it entertaining but then to take this this you know second tier character and make her so interesting and so enjoyable to watch it just added a whole new level to the movie and that's that's impressive especially when it's earlier on in your career so uh, that's my number five same as yours excellent yes so i think yeah
0: there's, there's a chance to be honest there's a chance maybe all you might have all five similar could so. be could be we'll find out but it's just it's uh it's our choices it's just the way it falls yeah if anything works, at least
1: the order will probably be different but who knows yeah <laughs> it's gonna be exa- <laughs> okay we'll never
0: we'll see okay yeah so my number four then is from uh 2011 and it's the adjustment bureau where she plays a character called elise sell Sellas, or elise sellers not sure but it's she's uh she's the character that uh matt damon's character comes across that she's the well, she's a love interest but she's also the other protagonist and um, they're both on the run from the people in the hats but uh she brings uh, a good quality to it there's the bit when they first meet in the uh in the washroom they're just it's great chemistry between the pair of them and she's again she can hold her own she's not some she's not some damsel in distress she uh she gives as good as she gets with the, the way she talks and the way she acts she comes up with some great ideas throughout the film uh the two of them work well as a team but it's just again she's she just she's you just can't take your eyes off her she's luminous in the role she just and you you know she can handle herself you you never once get the feeling oh no she's just she's just you know she's the one who's got to be rescued it's, it's not that at all it's just a great character and it's basically the, the whole plot sort of revolves around her as he's trying to find her and then he does and then just things move on from there but and there's a great dance scene as well she does because she's playing a dancer in there and i think she was a dancer for a lot of her life as well but uh, yeah, that's my number
1: four. An excellent pick. And I will say it did not make it onto my list, which was super disappointing for me because you know how much I love The Adjustment Bureau. Yes, uh, yeah, yeah. I have a real soft spot for that film and I, I really do love it. And the only reason I didn't pick it, uh, well, first of all, it was really hard because every movie she's done, she's great in. Yeah, yeah. So I had a hard time narrowing my list down. But I was also kind of, I, I, I couldn't decide if I was putting it on the list because of how good she was in it or because I like the movie so much. Yeah. So yeah. I was trying to avoid you know favoritism bias uh and so because of that i i left it off and i think all the other choices i have are just as good or or better so i didn't make it on my list even though i really 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 love that movie no problem
0: though. But uh, what's your next one though?
1: all right so my number four is from 2016 it is her role as rachel in the girl on the train oh, okay yeah, yeah uh in which a an alcoholic uh lady played named Rachel played by Emily Blunt thinks she has some insights into a woman's disappearance that involves uh, somebody who may be involved in her life before she was an alcoholic. I don't want to give anything away because it is a suspense thriller. She basically thinks she knows something about this murder or disappearance. And as the film unfolds, we sort of find out what she may know, what happened to her that kind of got her to this place where she's at now, where her life is really in, in the dumps. And, you know who may or may not be behind what may or may not be a crime. Um it's based on a, a popular book that I wasn't a huge fan of. I thought the book had some issues and I think those issues carried over to the movie. Um I like the movie but like the like the book, the second half is much much better than the first half. It kind of takes a while to get going. Um but Emily Blunt is terrific in it. You know, it's I don't think it's easy to convincingly play a drunk. Yeah, yeah. And she has to kind of toe the line between being you know, drunk enough that you know she's drunk, but not so drunk that all she does is like fall over and stumble around and like a cartoon version of being drunk. Yeah, and I think yeah. she does it uh, very convincingly. And then the film likes to also flash back to times before that where she was more of like this housewifey character. So I, I like the juxtaposition between the sort of the two the two sides of her so even though it's a film that has its flaws um i do think she's excellent in it so that's my number four the girl on the train
0: excellent uh it's not my list purely because i've not seen the film
1: i had a feeling i thought yeah when you said maybe all of them would be the same i was like i don't know that you saw this one but i couldn't remember for sure so. yeah yeah
0: yeah it's one i have mickey main to see but uh
1: yeah i'll get around to it
0: okay then so my number three is from 2014 and it's edge of tomorrow uh where which, which stars tom cruise it was you know, live, die, repeat, seem to be the, what, what they wish they'd call it after the fact. <laughs> right. Uh, but I uh, always find out weird, the whole planning. But, yeah, she plays uh, Rita Vitaski or the Angel of Verdun or the Full Metal Bitch, as it says in the <laughs> uh, the film. Right. She's, uh, cause it's obviously, if you haven't seen the film, it's Aliens Have Invaded, and Tom Cruise gets caught in a time loop, but uh, Emily Blunt is, like, pretty much the, the ultimate, most badass soldier on Earth, and she's wearing this power army, and she just goes through things, and you see it, and she is just, she's tough. She's in control. She's in command. She is the greatest soldier the world has ever seen. And Tom Cruise comes to her for help because he needs training how to be a soldier because he's crap when the film starts. <laughs> right. uh, and she just... She, again, she does amazing things. It was a bit different from like other roles because it is such an intense character who's seen some bad things, but also it's like intense because it's... Uh, she's playing a soldier who's trying to keep everybody alive and she's a very physical role uh, and she does it all amazingly. And it's just... You, you you totally buy into the character like you do with all her roles, but she is playing this person who's willing to sacrifice herself to save others and the world, and it's uh, it's a, I really enjoyed the film, but I really enjoyed her role in it as well.
1: Well, our number fours might have been our 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 big diversion in where we. Uh you know, where we fell on the list, but our, our, <laughs> we might be veering back together here. My number three <laughs> is also Edge of Tomorrow. Okay. And for every reason you just said, I think what what struck me about this movie, uh, I don't want to just repeat what you said, was that, you know, we we knew by this you point... You could repeat what I said. That would be that'd could, fitting yeah. with the movie. <laughs> um, That's right. That would fit, wouldn't it? So I, I think that by this point, we knew that Emily Blunt was uh, pretty awesome and that she was, you know, smart and, and tough and all of this. But this was the first movie which we really got to see her be a complete badass in, you know, uh, and and she is. She's just a total badass in this movie. Um, and, and, and that's fantastic. I love to see an actor take on a role like that when you didn't really know they had kind of that side to them. Um, but also I like that she does it and it isn't just a one-note performance. You know, that's not yeah, all yeah, she is. Yeah. She just happens yeah. to also be... A major badass, you know, but there's more to her than that. So, um, yeah, great pick, great movie. Uh, and that's my number three as well. Excellent, good choice. Let's keep this going because I got a feeling our two and one could be the same. Yeah, oh they might be slightly different, but we'll see. all right, we'll but see. okay.
0: My number two is uh, it's the one from just last year, 2018. It's a Quiet Place, and she plays a character called Evelyn Abbott. Uh, and she this she made this with her husband John Krasinski, and they're playing husband and wife. in this, it's uh the one where it's all pretty much silent for most of it, where they've just got to be. So, a lot of the acting then they, they can't rely on what they're saying, but they've got to like emote and do it well and show the terror and the fear and the love and everything without saying a word. And everybody involved does it the kids and in, in there. Um, John Krasinski do amazing things, but uh, Emily Blunt, she's the one, the her character goes through some of the most extreme situations because her character's pregnant in there and she has to give birth back way through the film. But it's just uh, the way it's done, it's not over the top. Uh, she just covers all those emotions i've mentioned and, you know the whole love and the, the the aspect of terror and you just you see it all on her face and the way she acts and the way she holds herself and it's just uh, i think it's pretty much i'm gonna say yeah it's a master class in acting because again it's not it's they can't rely on the voice They're just going to do it all physically and it's a it's it's a great film and she's amazing in it.
1: i i agree wholeheartedly good pick all right, well, that is not my number two, so we did veer off again. But my number okay. two is from 2015, and it is Sicario, uh, where she plays a character called Kate Maser. Um, And Sicario is kind of a dark film. It's about... I don't know what it's about. It's about bad guys and bad things happening to good guys and drugs. Yeah, and who, and who are the bad guys. Right, exactly. <laughs> who are the bad guys? Uh, she plays this federal agent, though, who... Um, you know, it's interesting cuz she's kind of a badass but she also kind of gets her ass kicked a lot, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just because she's up against people who are more badass than her. And you know, that's okay. It doesn't it doesn't take away from her character because there's always a bigger fish, you know, you always come up against an insurmountable force that might be more powerful than you. So she loses some fights, you know, and I I like that about the film. Um, I like the movie. I have some issues with it. It's not my favorite film or anything like that, but I think it's good. But I think her role is is really impressive. She goes to some dark places. She's just so intense throughout it. uh, And I I thought it was really a a, a great performance, um, elevating a film that you know, leaves you feeling slightly uneasy.
0: Uh, that's an excellent choice, and it is my number one. I had a feeling
1: it might be. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's, uh, I, again, I think you said, uh, but it's, yeah, it's a different, if you've not seen the film, it goes, it's a bit different from what you expect. Yes. I feel it's, because uh, it's, yeah, as you say, she's a badass, but she's also out of a depth and trying to trying to work out what's going on because she's not being given all the information, uh, but she, she's doing what she can. And it's a very subtle role, to what she brings to it. But again, you can she she brings everything to the characters' thinking and feeling. We we're, we're following it with her. We're following the film with her, and she for most of the film she's she carries most of the film as well. And it's like she's our view pointing to this. But then as things get more and more twisted and lost and things, you also you see it on her. She just go and she can't. The bigger picture is just so big, you just can't see it, and we're just confused along with her. But it's uh, she does not again she does an amazing thing and. I think with some, you know, a lesser actor, or something, the film itself, you'd just be going, well, what the hell's going on? What's this? Why should we care? But she does, because it's her doing it, and she's so good. You just, uh, yeah, you carried along with it.
1: Agreed. Agreed. Mm. Nice. All right. Good pick for number one. Okay,
0: what's your number one then? Uh, what's your number one?
1: Well, I mean... My number one was your number two. <laughs> I had was, a feeling, yeah, yeah. It yeah, was yeah. a quiet place from 2018. Uh, so basically, four out of our five picks were exactly the same. Not not terribly surprising though, because she's made some great films and has some great roles. But these, I think, are really some some real standouts. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, I, like you said, it's a masterclass in acting. I think a quiet place is a brilliant film. Um, I think she carries a lot of it. Um, you know, John Krasinski, Krasinski does as well, but you know, she kind of does double duty with being pregnant and. You know she has a lot more of the kind of the heavy lifting john krasinski's character is a little more stoic you know she's a little more emotional uh, but not in a way that i feel like is stereotypical like oh you know men are tough and strong and women are frail and cry a lot that is not the case here at all you know and, and as the film progresses we see exactly how how tough she can be but what's nice about this character as opposed to the last two i mentioned is that she's tough when she has to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's because of the situation. She's not just like this natural badass, you know, she's a mom and she's fighting to protect her kids. And that's a whole different kind of toughness than like a soldier or an agent. And I think again, a lesser actress, those roles would all feel the same. But with her, they feel completely different, you know, because she can be tough in different ways. And I don't I don't equate just being tough with being great acting, but the way she she changes for these roles, and really just the emotion and the intensity she had to put into a quiet place, I think it's amazing. And some of the physicality too. I mean, having oh, yeah, to yeah. carry around that giant belly, and there's that scene on the stairs, which I I can't even oh, think about yeah. it without it making me cringe. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's um, it's it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing film, and she's she's fantastic in it. So. That's my number one, A Quiet Place. An excellent choice. Yeah.
0: And an excellent list. I know there was overlap. well quite a lot of overlap, but... That's
1: all right. They're great films and great performances. That's what happens.
0: So we, we picked our favorite roles, our favorite performances, and they just happen to be
1: similar. Exactly. But there you go. That is our top five performances by Emily Blunt. And that is going to start to bring our show to a close. But uh, before we do that, Phil, why don't you tell people what we have in store for them next episode?
0: Okay, so uh, next episode, we're going to be going after the ending of A Knight's Tale and Idiocracy which will be fun yes uh, and also we're doing our top five favorite performances of Michael Douglas
1: yes one of my favorite actors actually so I'm really excited to do this one yeah and a big range of films long career there so uh, lots to choose from yeah yeah should be this should be. Uh, we should probably I would imagine have a little more little less overlap than we did this week but we'll see yeah pretty much I think yeah but uh, you never that's going to be a fun one to do indeed it is all right, well, there you go. So that's what's coming up on our next episode. Uh, but in the meantime, that's going to do it for us. So as always, we thank you greatly for listening. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next week. After the ending. All right, awesome. Well, let's uh, let's jump into it then.
0: Yep.
1: Mm. I guess that's me, huh? That's <laughs> you, yeah, yeah. I'm like, let's jump into it. And then I'm sitting there waiting like, why aren't you saying anything? I was like, oh, right. You, you guess, it. <laughs> I start the show, right, okay. Uh, just so you know, my brain is fried um, because I've been sitting in uh, online training for about emotional intelligence for the past two days oh, from nine in the morning you know. to five in the afternoon. That's awesome. But anyway, my brain is a little fried, so if I mess up a lot tonight, you'll know why. It'll be just like any other week. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're like, I didn't notice a difference, Mike. What? What was that? <laughs> but if I close the door, we can't hear each other. So <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> I love the new cable service that I have, Spectrum. They're the best folks. I should leave that in and then be like, "Hey, Spectrum." Not a sponsor? sponsor. Yeah, not a sponsor because all I do is talk bad about you. <laughs> See if that causes us to lose all ability to hear each other. I I can still hear you. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, not I don't know if it's good for you, but it's good for the show. So, <laughs> actually, I can't prove that either. Frankly, so maybe the show be better off without <laughs> me. Who knows. <laughs>